0: The All-Out Kentucky Podcast. Shirt into the arms of Davis, and the superior team all season long was a superior team tonight. And the Kentucky Coronation is complete.
1: Champions 2012. Benny still needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Welcome in to the All Out Kentucky Podcast, your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. The off-season rolls on, BBN, and there are a few things that we need to discuss on today's episode on Friday, May 13th. Flying somewhat under the radar But the basketball team has been searching for a new assistant coach as there is an empty seat next to John Calipari. So we are going to have Sam get us all up to speed with that situation. And then we are going to discuss some news that came out this week regarding the NCAA and NIL laws. So we're going to talk about that and how that may affect our programs. And then we're going to shift the focus over to the gridiron as we have some developing news regarding one of our star players. So we're going to break down the impact on the team. And then Sam and I will make our early offseason predictions as we run through the Kentucky schedule. And we'll take a little look at their season win totals set by the odd make, oddsmakers out in Vegas. But before we get to that, I'd like to bring in Sam to discuss the vacancy on John Calipari's staff.
0: Yeah, thanks for bringing us in there, AJ. Uh, Excited to be back for another episode of the All Out Kentucky podcast. And, uh, you know, this is kind of a good news, bad news scenario. Um, As you alluded to, AJ, we do have a vacancy on you know, the throne next to John Calipari on his coaching staff. And for those of you that maybe don't follow it as closely, that individual that has left that vacancy is none other than Jay Lucas, our uh, assistant coach on Calipari staff and definitely our lead recruiter. So it's definitely a big blow to the program. Um, And it hurts a little deeper, AJ, because – Jay actually leaves us to go join the likes of the Duke blue devils down in Durham, North Carolina. And, and, you know, that one just stings a little more so than anywhere else because uh, you know, my, my blood is blue and it's Kentucky blue. It sure as hell is not that, you know, pukey Duke color, but Nonetheless, you know, um, you know, my first reaction, AJ was, I-, I was upset and I remember reaching out to you when we got the initial word and, um, you know, a lot of flying emotions within big blue nation. And that's totally adequate, obviously, given the circumstances of what Jay was able to do since coming in the staff since 2020, um, you know, he brought in some top talented recruits and he was the lead recruiter on, you know, the likes of Tai Ty and Shaden and uh, you know, it's, it's a difficult one to swallow, but at once I kind of dove through some of the additional information that came to mind, um, at first John Calipari obviously said that he left for a promotion, uh, to go to Duke and it came out actually that he's going to be running the same exact job at Duke that he was at Kentucky. He's an assistant coach. He's the lead recruiter now for Duke. Um, However, obviously we don't, we don't know the pay and compensation of what he's receiving, but I do know one thing, AJ, and that is, um, Jay Lucas's family actually all went to Duke, his parents are graduates from the program. Um, and he actually has all of his cousins, his relatives from Durham. He's got a hundred and one year old grandma that is still living and lives in Durham. So, I mean, uh, once I kind of found out some of that background information, I was able to kind of come down off of the, the ledge, JJ, and I hope you were able to too. And hopefully some of that news can help uh, some of our listeners kind of step back and reflect on this moment. obviously it sucks that he's going to probably our most hated program, <laughs> but uh, you know, he's doing it for the right reasons. And as a man, I kind of have to support that. It, it just stinks because he's obviously been our lead recruiter, but with that, you know, obviously that leaves a vacancy as you alluded to. And, that's got to be exciting because you know you look at the opportunities and the developments John Calipari has been able to bring in in the last couple of seasons. I mean, he goes out and he gets Orlando Antigua back, which was a vital piece to our national championship run and our undefeated season run. So uh, that was amazing. Then he gets Chen Coleman, and that was a vital piece. And I know Jay leaves but he's going to go after the right guy. And I think our opportunity AJ here is to kind of give our listeners what we think that best fit's going to look like. Um, Truthfully, there's, there's honestly not a lot of developing names being thrown around yet. AJ, I mean, the staff and coach Calipari has kind of kept that under wraps, but you have to believe that there is a lot of movement going on because EYBL season is heating up. Uh, That is one of the main recruiting boards for the top talents in high school basketball, uh, ranging from the ages of obviously the 22 class to all the way to the 25 class. And uh, our coaching staff has been out recruiting hard for um, these top talented prospects. And we're going to have to have this position filled by likely the end of June at the latest, because, you know, the recruiting board continues on and we obviously have to have someone out there on the road, um, you know, doing the job that John Calipari won't be able to once the summer season starts up. So uh, definitely something that they're going to address soon. My honest opinion is that they want to stay young. Um, You know, Jay Lucas was an extremely young and, Vibrant individual that could connect with the, these young, talented individuals on a more personal level. And that's why you saw him go out and get some of the best talent in the nation. And um, I, I think Cal wants to obviously continue that route. So I, I guess I'll start with some of the names that are popping to mind. And, and some have been, you know, flashed out there in the conversations. Um, and I guess specifically, I'll start with two different categories. The first category is going to be what I'm going to say are, are the flashers, AJ. Uh, these are the guys who might draw in just a bigger crowd, just strictly off of their namesake. Um, I don't necessarily think these individuals are the most adequate to fill this position, but don't get me wrong. Respectively. I think they could all do an amazing job. Uh, first and foremost, I think this is a name that is going to strike home for a lot of Big Blue Nation with none other than Rajon Rondo. I know that might surprise a lot of people, but that actually name is being thrown around right now. Um, I think the biggest surprise for those of you that actually still follow Rajan Rondo is he's not even done playing, guys. So he's still actively in the NBA. Uh, he is definitely, without a doubt, on his way out, doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to retire this off season. But um, I think given the circumstances of just the latter portion of his career, he might be in a position where he would take that check from John Calipari and be happily returned to Kentucky where he could really, obviously AJ do some big damage there. I mean, that's a guy that I think young athletes would be able to connect with and he could obviously allude to his experiences under, you know our program and i think that would be really fun for big blue nation to get behind um i don't necessarily think that that's most likely i just was kind of just as shocked as you were when i started seeing Rajon rondo's name being flashed around and uh more specifically because like i said he's not even done playing in the nba yet but uh maybe there's more that meets the eye and john Calapari's having conversations behind the screen but um I guess we'll just have to see on that. I mean, just like everyone that I'm going to mention, there's nothing, absolutely nothing set in stone yet.
1: Yeah. So you, you brought up Rondo and I, so full, full disclosure, Sam did not tell me any of these names beforehand. So, um, I don't know who he's going to say. And I was kind of shocked to hear that name. That's not the direction my mind was going to begin with, but, um, you know he is in the latter stages of his n b a career, and I think if an opportunity like something that he wanted to do and he was getting paid well to do presented itself, he may jump at that. Um, he's basically a a bench player he didn't he hasn't played much ever since um he was playing with the Lakers in the bubble and they won the championship it's he hasn't he hasn't been able to find much playing time since then so um initial reaction would be I love uh him from an x's and o's standpoint of having him on the staff and having him on the bench during a game which is something that I think that we've could have benefited from in the past um but and could benefit from in the future having a guy like that watching the game from the sideline and being in practice every day teaching these guys how to see the court and um but then on the flip side of that I have no idea how he would be as a recruiter obviously he's been around the game for a long time so he knows a lot of people within the NBA and college game and people who are around basketball um but if you followed his career at all in the NBA you know that he also has tended to be a guy who slightly alienated his himself at times and got into it with his teammates a little bit. And he just has—I mean, he's a—he's a fiery, ferocious guy, and he's just got that edge to him. Um, so, I—I I would just be very interested to see how he would transition into a role of trying to recruit players to come to Kentucky because I don't think his—I think his pitch and like him himself being from the program and coming back all these years later to try to do something with the program. Like, I think that would sell itself, but at the same time I would be interested to see how he would connect with some of these younger guys. Um, but that, yeah, that's, that's a very interesting name and those are just some initial reactions that, um, come to mind, but, uh, definitely did not think you were going in that direction to start, but interesting name. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, no doubt. I mean, Rondo was, you know a surprising name to me as well aj and i think you're totally right i think it's a almost a double edged sword in a sense because like you said he he could almost pitch himself and obviously the the program but how truly plugged in is he comparatively to some of the names i'll I'll get to in the the latter part of um our possibilities on the horizon for filling this position but you know, Nonetheless, it, it would be an exciting hire, that's for sure. And I think Big Blue Nation would obviously have an easy time getting behind what they could see in the future. But my biggest issue with that is the future has to be tomorrow, AJ. I mean, this position has to be right now. And they have to go out and get the best college recruits right now. And I think it might just take a little time for Rajon Rondo to kind of get his feet wet just in the recruiting landscape. And I think you're totally right. And that's why ultimately – I. You know that mixed with you know him still being under contract in the NBA, you know I don't see it necessarily possible. But I thought it was interesting nonetheless. I think the next two flashers um, could potentially be a little more realistic. But again, I think they're just more flashy and they're drawing a crowd in the interest of Big Blue Nation. But um, the first of the two is actually none other than Jalen Rose. So uh, for many of you that are familiar with that name, Jalen Rose, is still broadcasting on for the NBA. Uh, he, for those of you that should know this fact, is a part, was a part of one of the most historic NCAA basketball teams in history with the Fab Five. Um, he, AJ, is just about as plugged in to both the NBA and college level of basketballs. I think that could be more of a natural fit. Obviously, everyone in the college landscape of basketball knows who Jalen Rose is. And I think that is a benefit. I just don't know if uh, you know this is a fit with Calipari and his staff, but I did think it was just an interesting name that got thrown out there. And then the second of the two was actually – very interesting just because there's been some recent developments as this individual has posted some photos and some Kentucky gear recently. And um, he has actually openly said throughout his career in the NBA that if he were to have gone to college, he would have gone to Kentucky and I'm going to say LeBron James. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) No, but actually uh, the individual is Tracy McGrady, AJ and um he did not go to college he said if he would have made a college decision and had explored that opportunity he definitely would have gone to kentucky um trace mcgrady has obviously been out of the nba in the basketball realm for you know a few years now and i think that actually could be the most realistic fit of the quote flashers as i'm calling them uh you know obviously he could Draw in just about anyone with that name. I mean, out of the three, he has to be the most successful. And I I just think that's very interesting. Obviously, he has a love for the University of Kentucky. You know, he continues to promote the program despite never even attending Kentucky. And and I think that would be very interesting. I mean, um, again, I don't see it as realistic because I don't know how plugged in he is at the college level right now, but don't get me wrong. I mean, I think his pitch could be pretty effortless in the fact that I'm Tracy McGrady and I want you to go to Kentucky. <laughs>
1: couple, couple interesting names there, Sam. And, uh, yeah, I mean, all former NBA players and, um, my first initial thought was, I mean, both of those guys are on TV, so uh, whatever, whatever that, whatever they're doing there, whatever contractually they're doing there, um, you know, I don't know if they wouldn't have time to do anything like that anymore. So they just have to completely leave, and then you know, what kind of compensation would Kentucky have to give them to fill that role here? Um, so a lot of things to. To work out so I you know I know you're saying that these aren't guys that necessarily are completely you know in the running as candidates just some fun names and stuff like that and a lot a lot to think about but very interesting with the three names you said um, all former NBA stars and guys that um, could definitely attract some young players to to the school so definitely interesting with those names for sure
0: yeah yeah no doubt and I guess we can Then to the more serious candidates, Um, and and again, guys, just as a reminder, there just hasn't been any confirmed sources yet as far as um, you know the coaching staff and John Calipari reaching out to any certain individuals. It's been all under wraps. I I know it's happening, AJ. It's just pretty impressive that they've kept it this quiet. Um, Mind you, obviously Jay Lucas's departure only comes you know roughly around two weeks ago, so it's been relatively quick. They've been out on the, the, uh, recruiting hunt for still 22 year recruits and obviously securing Adu Tiro lately. So, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they're addressing the vacancy, but maybe it has been slightly put on the back burner, but, um, some very interesting names that I have seen flashed around filling that vacancy and, what I'll actually call the recruiters of the recruiters, AJ. These guys are um, made names for themselves. They hold current assistant positions at the collegiate level. And uh, the first of which that I'd like to cover is actually none other than Rod Clark. For a lot of you, you might not be familiar with that name, but Rod Clark is the assistant coach down with our disgusting neighbors at Tennessee and he has been doing a phenomenal job down there at Tennessee. I mean, I hate them as much as anyone, guys, but he really has been bringing in some top-tiered-level recruits, and it's really impressive what they've been able to build down there the last couple of years. I mean, year in and year out, AJ, they're the one team in the conference that just somehow gets to Calipari, and it's the type of players that they bring in, AJ, and it's the type of players that I love when Kentucky gets it's those gritty guys that are willing to do anything. They've got raw talent. They're starting to get more and more five stars. And um, he he really has been doing a phenomenal job. I think it's a position of power and opportunity, obviously where the university of Kentucky, I'm not going to say that can carry the weight to just sway anyone's decision to leave their current position, but I think it could be enough to at least get the foot in the door and have the conversation with Wad and see if he's willing to, you know, jump ship and come aboard the more successful program. I mean, we are talking about eight national championships at the University of Kentucky where, uh, gosh, AJ, I mean, I can't remember the last time that Tennessee ever went to the Final Four. Oh, wait, they haven't. They've never been there. So uh, just a little jab, but in all seriousness, I, I do think, obviously, from the outside looking in, how could you not at least listen to the pitch and see what John Calipari and staff have to offer? I mean, uh, this guy has really made a name for himself within the high school landscape. He's extremely well-respected, and that's why you're seeing him bring in, year in and year out, top talent in the entire uh recruiting classes and I think that would be a great fit I think it's one of the more serious individuals that we might actually really hone in on the opportunity there but um I guess we'll have to wait and see
1: would be uh (laughs) it be kind of funny for me and I don't know about everybody else but yeah it would be kind of funny for me if Calipari took one of Rick Barnes assistants I don't You know, I feel like Calipari's always kind of gotten the better of Rick Barnes. And, um, you know, he's, you know, Rick's had some success as well. But, um, you know, Cal's had overall more success. And, you know, they are good friends and they respect each other a lot. And um, they are not shy about that whatsoever. So, um, you know, would just be kind of, I don't even know what the right word is. Um, So this would be kind of funny to me if, um, that is what ended up happening. But to Sam's point, um, he has brought in, um, a lot of talent at that school. I mean, you saw it on full display last year, they had quite the the ball club, um, some talented players out there. Um, and I believe their recruiting class for this coming season is, is quite stellar as well. So, um, a proven track record over the last four or five seasons of bringing in high quality players to that program. Um, So definitely a guy that I think um, fits what we're looking for um, to be able to continue to bring in high level talent to our program uh, year in and year out.
0: Yeah. And I think the most important note is kind of what I alluded to earlier, AJ, is just the directional focus that coach Cal and staff will have with this hire is that, you know, I I mentioned that they are going to want to go young. Um, Obviously Jay Lucas is a young individual and can obviously just connect on a personal level with these high school students. And Rod Clark is only 29 years old. So, I mean, he's got a future ahead of him in the college landscape and maybe even beyond. Obviously he can be an incredible recruiter and I'm sure one day he has aspirations of being, an assistant and head coach. So, um, you know, I I think I like just how he matches up. He, he definitely passes the eye test. Um, and I think the next guy that I want to bring up just blows the test out of the water, (laughs) but I think it's, uh, a little less realistic higher. Um, just sheer off the fact that this individual actually, just previously left his uh, tenured program and last year was his first year with a new program. And that's Jarence Howard, AJ. Um, for those of you that are maybe not familiar with this name, Jaren's actually was the assistant coach and lead recruiter for the Kansas Jayhawks for a long time. And, and I mean, he brought in, Just about anyone that you can think that ran through that program, he was a lead recruiter on. I mean, it goes all the way back to Joel Embiid. I mean, this guy is just a prolific recruiter at the collegiate level, and he's brought in, obviously, some unbelievable talent. However, last year, none other than Texas was able to come in to the Jay Hark's backyard and actually poach him. And um, he was on staff last year with Texas for his first year of lead recruiting for the program. And, you know, obviously he's brought in some, some studs already for Texas um, with last year and this upcoming season. And he's extremely plugged in all over the nation, not just Texas. I mean, um, one thing that I love about the opportunity, if we were able to then poach Howard from texas to kentucky is jay lucas's you know number one opportunity was his ability to to be plugged in down in texas and throughout the country but a a lot of raw potential and talent does stem from texas and um it's unique in the fact that not a lot of individuals are able to recruit well in that territory and jay was plugged in and he was able to secure us um some recruits over the last year. And obviously Devin Askew came to us and then eventually left and actually did go down to Texas. And um, I just think that's interesting that obviously Howard has been plugged in down there. Uh, I think that could kind of replace who we're missing in Jay Lucas. Howard actually played four years at Illinois during his collegiate career. And he's obviously been plugged in with a lot of big 10 recruits as well over his tenure. Um, I just think, his resume is uncomparable to the rest. Obviously, Rod Clark is an extreme talented recruiter, uh, but Jaren Howard—I mean, that—that's the name atop of the names. And if we're able to poach anyone, I want it to be him. Nevertheless, so um, I don't—I don't know how realistic it is to be honest, just because of he's just getting settled into Texas. But maybe you know he's not happy with his fit. And he's looking for a new opportunity. And I mean, what better opportunity is there realistically than to come to Kentucky and be the lead recruiter under John Calipari and staff? So I think that one's really interesting. Um, One more thing to add, AJ, is just this wouldn't be the first time that Calipari has reached out to Howard to have him come to staff at the University of Kentucky. Actually, just shortly after calipari's arrival on campus back in 2010 he reached out uh this was when he was actually still with kansas and he just didn't jump ship by then uh but i thought it was really interesting that calipari has that relationship he's made that connection before um you know and he swang and missed. but maybe he's back up to bat and a nice juicy fastball is right down the plate and calipari able to knock it out of the park so i guess we'll have to wait and see
1: I think both of those guys um, would definitely um, be able to fill that role and kind of keep us on the similar track. And I think that whatever Calipari chooses to do and where whichever direction they do choose to go, I know that they will do what they believe is best for the program and for the kids and to continue to be able to recruit at a high level, to coach at a high level, and to be able to sustain sustain success um, as we venture into the future. So um, I appreciate you being able to bring us all up to speed as far as the coaching search goes. I know a lot of it has been under wraps, so some of these names are just... Uh, thing, things that have been floating around and kind of tossed around and speculation and all sorts of stuff like that so um, not saying any of these guys are for sure candidates or anything like that um, but we'll be interested to see in which direction they choose to go and we will continue to monitor the situation and we will keep you guys updated as time goes on and like Sam said um we think sooner rather than later. So hopefully we do get this news um, within the next couple of weeks, but um, obviously you're not just going to rush into something like this. They want to do their homework and make sure they get the right person for the job. So um, we shall see.
0: Yeah. And I mean, last thing is this is a huge hire. I mean, Calipari knows that AJ. I mean, just, with all the craziness that's going on with Jay leaving for Duke and um, you know, just the fallout between potentially shading sharp, never really playing for us. And, you know, us going out and getting the biggest, baddest fish out there and him never even swimming in our pond. I mean, that's an issue. So um, Calipari knows that coming off the heels of, you know, a quick exit in the tournament and then not even making the tournament, this is a massive hire. So They're not going to get it wrong. I have faith in the staff and himself. And, you know, like AJ said, we'll keep you guys posted. But I've got confidence it's going to be the right guy.
1: Okay, we're going to switch gears. And earlier this week, there was some developing news as far as the NCAA is concerned. And the news that came out about the NCAA was regarding Nil. and I wanted to talk about this because it affects both college football and college basketball. So I thought that this would be some useful information for everyone to get caught up to speed with it and how that might impact our programs going forward. So if you didn't see if you didn't see or you didn't hear anywhere, um, basically, what happened was the Division I Board of Directors approved new NIL guidelines earlier this week. And I could go into a whole bunch of details from reading through all this crap, but um, at the end of the day, what the NCAA is trying to do is they are trying to keep boosters away from the recruitment process. So they do not want any boosters to be trying to pay kids to go to a certain school or pay kids to stay in school and not leave as if they were possibly going to go pro or transfer to another school because the NCAA thinks that that is... A dangerous game and they say that they already have evidence of team or not teams but these boosters paying guys in quote-unquote NIL disguised transactions and it, it like I said, it's a slippery slope here when these boosters are coming in and they're not even associated with the school and they're going to pay a kid a bunch of money, but you have to go to the school. It's just, that's not what the intent of the NIL was. The intent of the NIL was for these people to make these student athletes to make money off of their name, image and likeness. So, it's just kind of a little bit of a sticky situation. So um, they don't want players to get in trouble because of this. So basically what could happen if a booster got caught doing something like this with a student athlete, the sanctions could come from the NCAA but they would punish the university and not the student-athlete themselves. And the more I read into this, they could technically punish the player, but from everything that I've learned, um, an immediate reaction by a player, if they were to be um, reprimanded by the NCAA, is to hire an attorney and sue the NCAA, and it would not turn out well for the NCAA because more and more students could file lawsuits against the NCAA if they were trying to um, come down with sanctions on them because of what a booster did with paying them to go to a school. Um, so it's it's quite a hairy situation, like I said before, but the 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 whole goal of what they're trying to do is to keep these boosters – out of the recruitment process and to keep it as clean as possible, which I'm going to be honest, Sam, the intent, I guess, is right. But the NCAA trying to say they're going to do what's right after all this time um, just kind of seems laughable to me. And it's just like, it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. it's, all, it's a whole bunch of garbage. And the only reason I bring it up is because I want Sam to kind of tell you how this might affect our football and basketball program. And if I know anything about the man who leads our football program and the man who leads our basketball program and our athletic department as a whole, honestly... I really don't think this has any sort of effect on our program because we do things the right way and we recruit people the right way. And this honestly will not affect who we are or how we recruit or how we do things at the University of Kentucky.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, AJ. And truthfully, the NCAA opened up a huge can of worms when they obviously legalized name, image, and likeness. I think it's going to be down the road for the betterment of the business of college basketball and college football. I think by opening the can of worms, it was early. There was just no regulations. I mean, this is a free-for-all. And now, obviously, AJ, like you're saying, it's almost laughable. They're coming back and saying, oh, shoot. We've got to kind of work together and find out the rules of this thing. And I think the most important thing, if you take anything away from the updates on NIL, is that the NCAA has basically come down and said, okay, we've set new regulations in place regarding the transactions of NIL deals. And like AJ said, specifically around what the booster's eligibility is now limited to, most importantly, AJ, it's retroactive meaning any booster who has already helped out a recruit for either the landscape of college football or basketball is that is caught is going to be in a world of trouble with sanctions coming down at the level one degree, which means, guys, that is suspension and vacancy of wins. What I am most excited about is what AJ said. That's going to have zero impact on our college football and basketball programs under Mark Stoops and John Calipari, because they, from the start and the announcement and regulation opening of NIL have said, we are going to do this the right way. We know they knew they knew AJ that this was coming, that the NCAA was going to come back and say, okay, crap, we've got to put some regulations in place. It's getting out of control and John Calipari and Mark Stoops, have multiple quotes from this offseason stating that they absolutely refuse to let NIL be the number one discussion of any recruitment process. They don't want any individual to sign with our programs just because they want to make a boat ton of money with us. And I respect that with every fiber of my being, because sure, especially with our basketball program, AJ, I mean, it's university of Kentucky, let's be honest. I mean, you're going to come here. And if you're a superstar, you're going to make a million dollars easily. That's not what Calipari wants us to be pitching to these individuals. We need the right guys. And what was reassuring is Mark Stoops said the same thing. We won't let any recruit drive the conversation to what are they going to get out of us in a NIL and, um, I really appreciate that. I think that they have been going with the right approach and the right pitch and obviously have been able to, um, you know, obviously limit just who is in contact with our recruits, especially not our boosters. And um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how this all comes down on some of these other programs. I, I mean, realistically, I wouldn't be surprised if a few get caught in the the crossfire, but uh, I know one thing for a fact, AJ and, John Calipari and Mark Stoops are not going to be caught because they're not doing anything wrong here.
1: Yeah, I just I I love what both of those guys said as the leaders of their um, respective programs. Is just, um, you just kind of see what their mentality is and the type of person and the type of man that they're looking for to come into their programs. Um, And the money aspect of it is not what's important. Uh, They're trying to teach these guys how to grow into men and to be able to take care of themselves regardless of what sport they play and how it works out for them professionally. um, Both of these guys are trying to get the most out of these guys on the field, off the field, and help them grow up in the process and If the conversation is about money and that's what the kid is talking about, then they're recruiting the wrong kid and they know that. And that's why those conversations aren't going there and why they don't have to continue to talk about it over and over and over. It's just, hey, this is the way we're going to do things. And, you know, I'm very happy with Calipari being very outspoken about NIL and how he has been diligent with it since day one because he would be a perfect person for the NCAA or anybody else to try to go after because it's convenient and it's his name's John Calipari and he's run into issues in the past. So um, he has taken it upon himself to be proactive about all of this and I love that because he continues to be like that with every sort of topic or issue that comes up regarding... Um, anything to do with the NCAA or rules or regulations or anything, um, that's going to affect what they do on and off the basketball court, um, as a basketball program. So, um, not much more to be said there. I think it's time to shift our focus over to the gridiron and we have, some unfortunate news about one of our star players down in Lexington. So I think we're just going to get right to it. And I just want to preface this by saying there is absolutely um, no judgment here on our part. We're just going to give you guys some facts about something that happened, and then we're going to kind of talk about how that may impact our football team because this is a prominent player and someone who does have a big impact on what we do on the field so with that being said let's get to it um yeah so chris rodriguez earlier this week was pulled over in lexington around 3 a.m and when he was pulled over he was then subsequently arrested on charges for driving without his taillights careless driving and operating a vehicle while under the influence of alcohol. Um, From what what I was able to find from public record, um, he refused the breathalyzer and that's about all I know. He was booked that night and um, from what I know about the judicial system, he should be going to arraignment court at some point. Um, to see what he's being charged with, and then at that point, a possible plea deal. If he gets a lawyer involved, he may want to take it to court. I don't know. I don't know how that could all play out. That's not my job to know all that, but um, it is an unfortunate situation, and the team knows about it. The coaching staff knows about it the university knows about it so there has not been any news about what is going to happen with him as far as punishment with the university or the team um, or anything of that nature so this is a very kind of touch and go subject right now it's very fresh um, these things tend to take a while to play out um, so we'll just have to monitor the situation Um, my initial thought was it, it was sad to hear this news. Honestly, um, we're really looking for Chris to be a leader next year on, on and off the field. So these choices are unfortunate because he is someone who is a leader of our football team And I'm not saying he can't be going forward, but he is going to have to work extremely hard to gain back the trust of his coaches and his teammates and the fans. And that's going to be on him to be able to do that from this point forward, because he can't go back and change the past. He can only work hard in the future. And I hope that is what he does. And we'll see. He may not even end up missing that much time. We, we don't know how this is all going to play out. Um, I would expect him to be in Kentucky, a Kentucky uniform at some point next season. Um, We will have to see when that will be. Um, But yeah, just wanted to give you guys that news, and we will now head into the schedule for next season and do a little something more exciting, and we'll kind of give you our early, early, early predictions on the season ahead. And I guess the best place to start there will be... With the odds makers out in Vegas, because just last week, the over-unders for win totals on the season for college football were released. And Kentucky's is set at 7.5 for next season. And that would include all of the regular season games, not the bowl games. So there are 12 games on the schedule. So they would need to go 8-4. and to be able to cover and go over that seven and a half number. So I think me and Sam, are just going to start with week one and we'll work our way through and kind of see how we think this schedule in this year might shake out with the Kentucky Wildcats. So Sam, uh, I guess we'll just start with week one. We got an absolute barn burner in our home against Miami of Ohio. What do you think about that game?
0: Yeah. I mean, um, it's going to be interesting, AJ. I don't know if we're going to win by 40 or 50, but we better win by at least that much. Uh, No, but it's, it's exciting one to obviously open up the season in September on our home turf. Uh, You know, the crowd's going to be riled up of it after a very successful season I'll preface this conversation with, obviously, um, mind you, I'm operating under the function that Chris Rodriguez is our number one back for the entirety of the season. Um, Let's just operate under that condition for the time being, and if that changes, then we got all summer to discuss, you know, the over-under of our, you know, our team total for, you know, that new scenario. But for now, Chris Rodriguez is our back and he runs for at least a couple touchdowns against Miami, Ohio. And he, he's off to a a heck of a start for what could be a Kentucky record-breaking season. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a win without a doubt.
1: (laughs) So one thing to note about that game, because The next game is quite an important one because in week two of the season, we do travel down to Gainesville to take on the Florida Gators, who historically have been our nemesis. Obviously, we have broken through recently and been able to take them down a few times. Um, So honestly, I really look in that Miami game, regardless of the score, um, crisp I want the offense to get in a flow, no turnovers, and just kind of get yourself into that rhythm and build something so that you can go out there in that Florida game and have something of value that you can take out of that game one instead of just saying, oh, we're just going to run up the score on some crappy school like let's go out there and let's do some good things. And let's not show too much on tape for Florida so that we can bring out a lot of new things and kind of throw them off in that, in that game. But let's at least establish some things in that Miami game and, and build some confidence going into, into Florida because that's a tough game to go on the road in week two and play. And um, mm-hmm. regardless of how good or bad Florida may be next season, going on week two down there and playing them in a hostile environment uh, you better come ready to play and you better be buttoned up because if you don't, you're going to go down there and you're going to lose. And now you're going to have a loss on your on your resume two weeks into the season, and that's not what you're looking for. So um, yeah, that's a tough game in week two. I mean, I definitely think it's a winnable game with a quarterback in Will Levis that we have under center for next season. So... But then again, we will have to see how things develop over the summer and how we look in week one and all that. But I do think it is a winnable game. I wouldn't be running to the window to bet on Kentucky right now in that game, per se, to win straight up. But um, we will have to see as time goes on.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And you're absolutely correct. I mean... Uh, All joking aside, obviously, I want to come out and make a statement when that first week at home, but A.J. is totally right in the fact that we don't want to give too much tape away. Um, You know, we should be able to handedly beat Miami of Ohio, maybe even with some of our, you know, secondary players coming in off the bench once maybe we can get a comfortable lead. But um, walking into Florida week two in Gainesville after another season behind us, in last year where we were able to overcome the Florida Gators, they're going to be hunting us hard. And I have confidence, AJ, that we're going to win that game. Um, I I really do. I've I've marked that down as a W for next season as far as my win totals go. I understand that that could be a little lofty, but I have confidence in our core. I have confidence in the guy under center, like you said. I mean, Will Levis is going to be ready for that moment. I think the team – knows that we're going to be walking into that game. We're a preseason top 25 team right now, AJ. With a win, obviously, in week one, we're not going to move much. We're going to be a top 25 team going into Florida on the road. I mean, you, you put that under your belt week two. Okay, we've got momentum. That's something to build off of. Now now we're approaching maybe top 15. You know, who knows? But. Uh, I think that's going to be a staple win on our season, especially I'm kind of excited that it's in their barn because in the eyes of just the college football committee, that's a big road win in conference, obviously. Um, I'm not guaranteeing anything, obviously, but I I do think that it's, it's almost fortunate that we get to play them week two, A.J., rather than on the latter part of the season. I mean, regardless, if we do lose, then the college football committee is a little more lenient on the fact that if you lose early, it's just not an indictment of what your football program might be that year. Um, However, you win, then they're not going to take away the credit obviously just because it's early in the season. So I think it's a win-win opportunity. I'm glad we've got them on the schedule again early. Um, But like you said, I mean, that's a winnable game and, As of right now, for my win total, I've got it marked down as a W.
1: Yeah, so if you think they're going to go on the road and win that game, then week three and week four, we play at home against Youngstown State and Northern Illinois. So Mm -hmm. um, those are two home games in which you must absolutely win. Um, So if you do think we're going to go on the road and beat Florida – then that sets up for a Week 5 matchup on the road at Ole Miss, which would be putting us at 5-0, and 0, or 4-0, f- four four oh, oh. I'm sorry, 4-0, oh, heading into that big game at Ole Miss, okay. um, which is a good start. For, you need 8 to go over that 7.5, so you got half of them right there if you can go on the road and beat Florida. And now you got another big test taking on Ole Miss on the road, another tough team to go and play in conference on the road um so i uh i will really have to see how things are going at that point i mean that's i would say that's going to be a tough game to win i would be Uh i would tend to think we would lose that game but um if we are going to have a a special season that's a game that You win two games in the first five weeks on the road in SEC play against Florida and Ole Miss. Now we got something special cooking. So um, we'll see, but I would tend to think that that would be a place in which we might catch an L realistically. Um, So that would put us down to four and one. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, when I wrote this one down, I wrote down a win and a loss strictly because i think it could go either way i mean like you said it's it's really going to amount to where we have positioned ourselves for that game um truthfully aj i think if we're rolling and we're 4-0 and and we go on the road um i like our odds i do i know that that kind of sets up for a letdown spot but i don't see it that way uh Ole miss is got a heck of a football club coming our way this upcoming season. I think that's a team that um, the SEC has to keep their eyes on. They always really give us trouble and Ole Miss has an amazing home crowd experience. So I know that's going to be a little troubling. um, But nonetheless, I really do just think we are the superior team. I think we have more depth and I think we have more specialized players, but uh, it'll be fun to break down that that game once the matchups do come out. I really do. I think that's going to be one of the more exciting games of the year. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's it could go either way. But I'm gonna I'm gonna mark this one down again as a WAJ. We're gonna start five and zero here. Um, and there's one coming up here in two weeks that we'll shortly get to where that's where things get extremely dicey.
1: Yeah, so I'm uh, glad you actually brought that up because I did want to actually touch on that because during the season, me and Sam are going to do something fun um, for you guys because we want you to be able to know our opponent as well as you know our own team. Um, So during football and basketball season, we will be doing a full scouting report of the other team that we are playing. So for football every week... um, And just give you guys a deep dive into the other team, what they like to do, how they like to play, some of their more notable players, different things like that. Kind of give you some key insights on the matchup and and the game within the game. So something we're really looking forward to being able to do in the fall with football and then also on the basketball court um, with the Cats playing a couple times a week normally during the season. So um, a lot of... Good content coming your guys' way in the fall. We can't wait to get to it, um, but we'll get back to the schedule right now. So um, week six at home against South Carolina. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but that's a win because we own them, and so I'm not worried about them coming into our barn and doing anything. So Uh, Yeah, I mean,
0: either way, if we're at four and one, your scenario, five and oh, and mine, AJ, you can't. You can't. I mean, you you, that's our home turf. We talked about that last year from last year, AJ. We lost one game against Tennessee at home, but that's no, that that's got to be a
1: win. I love that game after Ole Miss on the road because here's the thing if you go on the road at Ole Miss and you lose, okay. Now you come home and you kick the living crap out of South Carolina and you get your mojo back. And if you beat Ole Miss, then you come home and you retool and you play South Carolina and it might be a little tougher because you just came off an emotional win, but you get the W and then you get everyone ready to rock and roll. You get everyone iced up and rested up because week seven, you got Mississippi State coming into town, and yep, I got revenge on my mind. And if I got yep. revenge, revenge on my mind, that means the players and the coaches got revenge on their mind, and that is a massive game because um, yep. I would love to be able to make a statement to say, hey, we did not play well last year when we played you. We just did not, and we need to have a better showing, and we need to show these guys who we really are.
0: Yeah, no you're you're totally right. I mean, I want revenge. I can taste it on the the tip of my tongue and the blood in the water there, AJ, but realistically, I mean, Mississippi State's going to be a tough team. They 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 reloaded in terrific fashion. That's no easy win. Um we're we're obviously in our own barn. I I want and need the Wildcats to defend that that home turf. I think that's going to be a toss-up. I, I really do. Um that's definitely going to be a win that I want more so than some of the others to be honest. Uh but don't hate me for this. I that's that's where I have us losing our first game of the season. Um starting 6 and 0 and then dropping an unfortunate one at home to Mississippi State. I can see us winning that. Don't get me wrong. I I'm not I'm not married to the idea that we're going to lose, but uh it it, it could come to bite us in the ass. I I really want that revenge though, just like you said. So it's going to be a great matchup nevertheless. And I think that revenge factor adds that next element.
1: Okay. So either way through seven weeks, um, we are thinking we would have either five or six wins, which is a good start. And then week eight and week nine, we are back to back on the road at Tennessee at Missouri. So, um, you got a hundred percent win that you got to win at least one of those two games for sure. You would love to win two of them. Um, but just, I will say initial reaction, I would chalk that up to one and one at that point, which would put us at either six or seven wins through nine games. Correct.
0: That's correct. And I, I totally agree. I think going into those two away games, um, the honest opinion would be, yeah, we we absolutely have to go grab one of those two wins to obviously stay in the uh, the landscape landscape of maybe a New Year's bowl game. Um, but we're, when we talk about revenge, we're getting revenge on Tennessee. If those cowards get to come into our barn and beat us on our home turf, then I want I, I want to bite some kneecaps. in the the words of Dan Campbell, because we're going into Tennessee, A.J., and we will beat the Bulls, and I have no doubt about it. I know they actually, in all seriousness, have a great team next year. They they really do, and obviously they brought in a stud at quarterback, and um, it'll be interesting to see what they can do, but uh, I I don't care. I I mean, realistically, I know – I've got a lot of revenge on the mind when it comes to Tennessee. And they're probably one of the teams that I hate most in our conference, but um, I I do like our matchups, you know, last year it was a high scoring affair at home where we just needed a couple of stops and we couldn't get them, but I think we get them this year. And I think we grab that dub on the road. And, and obviously that that could lead to a letdown spot against Missouri. And I, I totally agree with that. And maybe we do go one-on-one on on the road. Maybe we, we kind of, cannot have a letdown spot and we can build off that momentum. But um, of the two, we are going to win against Tennessee.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to be, um, I'm trying to be objective here because if I wasn't being objective at this point in the season, we'd be nine and zero. So obviously um, you know, <laughs> and I, I do think that we have a capability and the talent to be able to put something special together next season, I think it's a possibility, you know, so um, I would not be surprised if we were eight and one going into week nine or something like that. So, um, but I'm trying to be realistic here. And um, also, if you were potentially thinking of trying to bet the over under of seven and a half, we're trying to be realistic about, hey, um, don't just blindly say, oh, we're for sure going over. That's why we're kind of walking through this a little bit to say like, hey, We're going to be realistic that you go on the road two weeks in a row in SEC play, and you don't just walk out with two wins like that. You got to go and play good football. And you know what I mean? That's hard to do two weeks in a row on the road unless you're that team. And we'll have to see if we are that team next season. So, um, good stuff. Next week would be home versus. Vanderbilt. We actually have three road game or three home games to end the season. So we have Vanderbilt, Georgia, and Louisville, Vandy and Louisville, two wins. I would again, we're objective here on this podcast, guys. So I'm I'm not counting Georgia as a win. But I will say, I'm not just saying that we're gonna get smoked or anything. I'm just chalking it up to a loss because they beat us every year when we do play them and they should have more talent than us. But I also was very encouraged by the way in which we played them last season. And I think that is something to build upon. And I am extremely excited, extremely, extremely, extremely excited for that game in the season. Because if we are still relevant and we are still playing for something, then that's going to be a really big football game at the end of the season. And um a lot of eyes could be on that game depending on what's going on around college football. So, um, like I said, for the over under purposes, I would say that's a loss and screw level and screw Vanderbilt. We're beating them both. So that's two more wins under our belt. And if my math is right, Sam, I do believe we would be going over the seven and a half wins for next season.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, obviously, Vandy at home, um, I like that as a W, no doubt. Um, but you're totally right. I like how you broke that down. I was excited to say the exact same thing. That that Georgia game, AJ, that late in the season, under the lights, Kroger Field, I can feel it. I mean, it's a sellout crowd. I mean, who knows? That could be a top four versus a, hopefully by then, you know, top 18 team in the nation, maybe top 15 team in the nation contention on, you know, how the, some of those road games go, but don't get me wrong. I mean, that that's a team in the Kentucky Wildcats that could have eight or nine wins realistically. I mean, may, maybe we're on the shy end at seven, but um, I really do think we're right in that area and that could be, you know, game day for college football, I can see it now, but that's, as a fan, that is just so exciting to know the magnitude of what that game could carry. Obviously, when we went into their barn, AJ, that could have been, you know, one of the biggest wins in program history. And we knew that, I mean, we were undefeated. We went into a Georgia team that was widely considered the best team in college football. And I agree with you. I was extremely encouraged by our showing. I mean, and so was Georgia. I mean, we, we, you gave us quotes. I mean, that team respected the Wildcats that stepped on their field and they knew that we were going to punch them in the mouth. And we did. And I mean, we, we put two touchdowns up on the board and I'm proud of that. And I think obviously at our home crowd, maybe that swings a bit and you make the right play early on and that swings the momentum. So um, don't get me wrong for realistic purposes. I'm putting that as a loss on our season, but realistically i really really think that could be one of the most fun matchups we've had in a while and then to finish off the season regardless lovel at home time to get payback for the fact that they kind of cowardly opted out of not playing us in basketball so i think our football team will just have to make up for uh lost ground and just really double down and have to beat them by you know 30 or 40 again (laughs) but i'm excited uh but yeah, my math uh, adds up correctly. AJ, I, I believe that's that is the over. Yeah.
1: So, L's down. We're going to beat Lovell in week 12. And um last thing I just had to note was um you know, we did start the season very well last year. I would say our schedule was fairly light at the beginning of the year. Uh people had some questions about how for legit we really were and I think we, um, in my mind, we definitely proved that we were a legit football team again last season, and I'm excited that this year um, we do have some tests. I mean, by week five, like I said, we'll have played Florida and Ole Miss on the road. So um, if we're 6-0 and or 5-0 and again next season, um, I will be quite impressed with the way our football we'll had, had, will have had to have played. Some really good football up to that point, so um, kind of fun to get the juices flowing and think about the football schedule. Obviously, we will break this stuff down much more extensively um, as the season inches closer. Like I said earlier, the off season rolls on here for Big Blue Nation. That is all we have on today's episode of the all out Kentucky podcast.
0: And I'm going to leave you guys just with one last thing. AJ It's just, um, I really appreciate you breaking the nose on obviously Chris Rodriguez. I just wanted to say, you know, let's, let's keep him in our thoughts. Um, you know, he made he made a big mistake, but let's try to give him grace. Challenges like this in life can really reveal character and I want to give Chris the benefit of the doubt. He has been incredible for our program, and I still see him as our leader. I think, um, like you said, AJ, this is going to be a testament of his character and his leadership abilities. Um, I really hope that he can bounce back. I'm obviously thankful no one was you know, hurt or um, anything could have gone worse, and I'm just really thankful that that wasn't the case i'm obviously uh hopeful for what is to come for next season but i just wanted to just leave us with a a couple parting words because you know i i think we gotta internalize this and and just be thankful at the end of the day and you know count our lucky stars
1: yeah absolutely um chris we love you and we're thinking about you and we want to see you back up on your feet and doing well and like like sam said We all make mistakes how we get back up, so hopefully we see him back on the field this fall, running dudes over, scoring touchdowns, doing his thing out there. And with that being said, we will be back on Monday for the next episode of the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Please follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Andrew John Bradley for me AJ you can follow Sam as well at Sam Brad 66 follow the podcast at A O Kentucky pod thank you again for listening Sam appreciate your time tonight and I will see you next time my friend see y'all there's only one thing left to say oh C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats.